You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome down to Sacks in the Basement. My name is Chris Lanuti, bellying up to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. 30 minutes of sacks for fans, by fans, and it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. The phone number is sitting there right on the logo on the podcast player of your choice. If you're on SacksInTheBasement.com, it is there as well. They're family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned. They give money off if you tell them that Sacks in the Basement told you to go check them out and it's anything in your foundation sometimes it's outside the house you see the driveway or you see the the sidewalk around the house starting to do weird things that's your foundation you see cracks in the walls you you see water coming in you're worried about the sump pump you just want to do a checkup and make sure everything's going to be okay reach out to them now famws.com Dave, my friend, sitting at the other end of my bar, what are we going to talk about this week? Are you going to join me? What, what is new with you? I feel so much better, Chris. I have actually, to try to get myself back into sports again, to try to just, and, and to, to achieve inner peace and oneness of spirit, mind, and body, I've started to get back into the world of sports. So, it's good. Uh, yeah, so this week I did some hot yoga. You ever do hot yoga? I don't think that's a sport. Yoga is a sport, dude. You ever try it? No. You should. What's hot yoga? So hot yoga, you you sit in a room, where you don't sit, but you do yoga in a room uh, that is kept anywhere from 95 degrees to 108 degrees. Okay. And you do yoga in this in this heated in this heated room. You might be like, wow, why would anyone do that? Well. I gotta say, man, like it opens up the pores, it gets the muscles flowing, you're at peace, you don't have to think about Jerry Reinsdorf. Well, lucky for me, I have guests lined up. Joining me on the phone line right now, he's on the show uh, a good portion of time, we get him on every once in a while, he sits up in the scoreboard at the rate and comes up with some of the great trivia that you get to see when you're inside the ballpark. I'm hoping I get to see that trivia in the 2021 season after missing it for all of 2020. He still keeps... The trivia going, all the little news and nuggets and the stats. He he finds these interesting little things about the White Sox. He keeps it going on Twitter with his handle, at SoxNerd. Dave Marin on the line. How are you, Dave? Great, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate it. So, big news this week, I, I, and I'm super excited about it. Jose Abreu is the MVP. We have, a, we have an MVP again on the south side of Chicago, and... A well-deserving MVP. I don't care if it was a short season or not. He's the heart and the soul and the driving force in that clubhouse. It is so obvious he is their leader. Yeah. And he drove that team to their first playoff berth in a long time. And he's well-deserving of that award. And and I'm sure you were pretty excited looking at that as well. I really was. And, you know, I deal so much with, like, stats and facts. But the thing I really took from this was just kind of the hum- the human element, human element of it all. His reaction to winning that award was so pure and so genuine. And then when you think about all that he went through to become a Major League Baseball player 
And it, it just all came out at that moment. That's what I take from that. And then the other thing that I really, uh, that really sticks out for me uh, from his season was, if you remember the, the game where they clinched their first playoff spot since 2008, the winning run, the go-ahead run scored on a grounder that uh, he beat out uh, to first, play, first base that um, avoided a twin double play. And it was just the hustle, the all-out um, desire to make it there. And, uh, you know, from that standpoint, the stats, of course, the, you know what else Chris do? He wanted to, I mean, you, you and I both know, he wanted to be, with, right? I mean, he wanted to be here. He wanted to sign here. He wanted to, he wants to be a member of the White Sox. And there's so few people, there are more now. But back in the day, there were so few people who actually wanted to do that, that this was their destination spot. So those three things really came to my mind when he won the MVP award. And it was just, it was just so gratifying as a Sox fan for that to happen. And, you know, I think, I'm, I don't know what you feel about this. I think you really kind of have to put him now in the pantheon of elite White Sox players, right? I mean, he's right up there with Dick Allen and Frank Thomas and Nellie Fox and all those greats. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You you always discount him because he plays first base, and you think about all the great first basemen and the first basemen that we love that have uh, that have played for the White Sox over the years. And you always think, well, it's just Jose Abreu. I mean, he showed up. He was a little bit older. He came over from Cuba. I mean, he's a pretty good player. He's played on a lot of bad teams. And I think when all is said and done, there will be an argument about who's the best first baseman in Chicago uh, White Sox history. Like, I will always be a Frank Thomas guy. Like, I, I mean, I, that's that's my thing. But but I will have an argument with somebody up and down about whether or not Jose Abreu is going to end up tapping what Paul Canerco did. It, it, Paul Canerco had more time than what Abreu was able to get. Paul Canerco won a World Series. That's why he's in your hearts. But Paul Canerco never got an MVP. And and Jose Abreu got an MVP. And he does, he belongs in that conversation about White Sox first baseman. And I think about what you say with how he got here and how he wanted to get here. I think some Sox fans forget it was the Contreras and to a, a smaller extent El Duque being on this team back in 05 that led to Alexei Ramirez wanting to be with the White Sox that led to Jose Abreu wanting to go play where Alexei Ramirez was, which then led to Yoan Moncada being very excited when he comes to the White Sox and Luis Robert wanting to be here. It's an incredible little trail that has been blazed and it started. That is, that is really the link to the 05 team. Like everybody goes, well, there's really not any links back to that team. That is the lasting thing from that, that because the Cuba connection has been there. It was never there before. And it stayed all the way through. And now with a winning an MVP, you can imagine there are even more Cuban players that look at the white Sox and look at that emotion and look at the way that he wanted to stay there that are like, I want to go play for that team one day. And that's huge for this organization. I agree. And, and it was just that that moment was just so pure and genuine. So but you asked about some stats. Here's one that I found really fascinating, and I, and I really beat it to death on Twitter. Abreu won his award, his MVP award, on the 61st anniversary that Nellie Fox won his. And Fox, of course, was the first uh, White Sox player to win an AL MVP award. Um, so that was one that I found very historically symmetrical. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I just love. I mean, that's, that's what I'm going to spend my winter doing is digging out little nuggets like that. I also found out that this is the first time since 2006 when Dye finished fifth, Homie was 12th, Konerko was 22nd, and Pierzynski was 30th 
that the Sox had three or more players receive votes in the MVP balloting uh, because um, Keuchel and Anderson also got votes. Can I ask you a little question, maybe? Who, who do you think the last shortstop was to receive, uh, White Sox shortstop to receive votes in the MVP balloting was prior to Tim Anderson? White Sox shortstop, last one to get MVP votes. See, I'm I'm thinking of is it? Can you give me a hint? Is it recent history, or do I have to go back way back? How old are you? <laughs> I'm 43. Am I alive when this happens? Uh, you are alive when it happens. Yes, so okay. that probably gives it away. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's weird for me because I I just don't I don't know if he I I man I don't know I don't know if he would if he would have gotten MVP votes because part of me wants to say well it's probably Ozzie Guillen but there's part of it me is. also it is Ozzie Guillen you see I it kept is. thinking to myself like how did Uribe not get one vote from somebody because he was so essential to that run in 05 and he was such a good uh, shortstop so I wanted to say him but then I was like ah it's probably Ozzie Guillen so it was Ozzie Guillen Dave Ozzie Guillen he was 17th in 1990 and you know some of the interesting things like when you when I start digging through the voting you 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 find things you find nuggets you find gems. That 1990 team was great. That team was so good, and it was so important. If someday, if you ever do a show on that team, I can probably speak for an hour on it. Um, that team was so good, and Guillen was so important to that team that he got those votes. The other two things that, that come out of the MVP voting, and of course, we don't need to relitigate history. Frank Thomas absolutely screwed in 2000. And then Carlos Quinton in 2008, if that – Hothead doesn't hit his bat handle in Cleveland. He wins the MVP, and maybe the White Sox win the World Series. You know, White Sox fans love to get mad at things, right? You and I both know that. That That's one guy who I think has kind of gotten a pass over the years because if he does not slam his hand out of temper, uh, t- a temper tantrum in 2008, I think we're looking at a, a different arc of White Sox history. But anyway. I love it. I love that you got on a tangent where you got mad at Carlos Quinton. And you know what? Good for you. Because let's be honest, you're right about that. And that's something I've I've yelled about before, that he he really changed everything in 2008. We almost missed the playoffs and had to back in and go into that game 163. None of that would have happened if Carlos Quinton was out there playing. He was he was the the engine that made the car go on that team and disappears because he gets frustrated and breaks his wrist or his hand or whatever, hitting his bat after he strikes out. And I think he would have been the MVP. I mean, his numbers were, I think he finished fifth. So anyway, so I digress. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Anything, uh, you know, we had some other hardware that got handed out. Anything that you noticed during the week that you thought was really just kind of interesting or that, that piqued your interest while you were sitting around going, I wonder I wonder if historically there's something that I can kind of frame that. Did anything pop up with the Robert Gold Glove or anything like that? In the Cy Young voting, uh, I know uh, Keuchel and, and Giolito both got votes. Uh, it was the first time that the Sox uh, had a lefty and a righty get votes in the Cy Young voting since uh, Burley was fifth and Garland was sixth in 2005. So that, those, are the, those are the kind of the nutty things that, uh, that I look forward. On Tim, Tim Anderson, you know, being a shortstop, in the in the MVP vote, the last time the Sox had a shortstop finish as high as uh, higher than seventh, which is what he finished, was when Louis Aparicio was second in 1959 to uh, Nelly Fox. So um, now that well, wait a second. Now that's now, now I'm going now I'm aging myself and showing that I'm not old enough to notice. I never knew that. I didn't know that yeah. one White Sox player beat out another White Sox player for the MVP in '59. And here's here's another one. You know who was third that year? 
early win, the White Sox ace. So It was White Sox, White Sox, White Sox at the top of the ballot? Yes, it was. Man. Oh, How about that? I'm going to have to see if I can get my dad on that one, like if he knows that or not. I'm going to have to get to him before this show airs, though. Dave, I really appreciate you jumping on and sharing this knowledge with me. It's always so fun to go through it and to talk a little Jose Abreu. When even slammed Carlos Quinton a little bit, it's kind of made my day. Well, I'm still mad about that. (laughs) Socks in the Basement listeners, congratulations. You have a new Southside Hangout. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge at 7000 West Southwest Highway. Jack's Place is a small, clean sports bar with a flat screen everywhere you look. Plus, their private video gaming room is away from the cheers of those watching the game. And with the cleanest bathrooms in town, they are a great date night spot. And now Jack's Place is teaming up with John Natanik and Country Insurance for teacher appreciation days, union member specials, and police and fire Fridays. Follow them both on Facebook for dates and details. Plus, give John a call now at Country Insurance, 708-289-9935 for your home, auto, or life insurance needs. Plus, a free Dunkin' Donuts gift card given out to you. And all you have to do is text him right now. Use that number, let him quote you, no strings attached, 708-289-9935. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge and John Natanik at Country Insurance. They have you covered, Sox fans. Joining me on the phone line right now here on Sox in the Basement, you may not be aware of it, but Sox in the Basement is part of the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. Along with Sox in the Basement, I also do a show for Evergreen Park called the EP Podcast. I work with a man by the name of Mike Pankow on Windy City Slam. And among all of those shows, there's another one that you definitely probably don't know about. I help out my good friend, Craig Toth, who's a huge Pittsburgh Pirates fan and lives out there. I used to live out there for a couple of years when I was doing radio. He wanted to start his own show about the Pirates, so I support him on Bucks in the Basement. He, you're the main guy, though, on that show. I just come in and talk baseball. That, that's your baby, though, Craig. How are you? I'm doing good, brother. But uh, I, like I said, I think everybody likes you a little bit more <laughs> on that show because I'm just like a jerk to everybody. And you're like, you put it in a way that, you know, you could tell somebody that they're like the biggest jerk in the world. And they'd say, you know what, Chris, I think you might be right. Just, just by the way you put it to them. <laughs> High praise on a Saturday from Craig. All right, so... So here's the deal. I I wanted to try this with you first, and then I'm going to see whether or not I could do this with other podcasts around the country for baseball teams. I want to see if two podcasts can work out a trade between their teams during this offseason. I know your offseason is very different from our offseason. Our offseason filled with hope and excitement, and then we got Tony La Russa, and now it's filled with strife and craziness and confusion, and I want to get more back to the hope and the excitement side. Uh, your offseason is more, we're at the beginning of a rebuild, and what are we going to do with a general manager that really only got a shortened season and just came in and is still cleaning up the mess from the last regime? So it, it, you're at the starting point where we're at the ending point of a rebuild and the beginning of the run. So we, we I kind of know where you're at, and you're hoping to get to where I'm at, right? Oh, that's that's the ultimate goal, man, is to is to be where the White Sox are at, to be where the Padres are at, and a, a bunch of other teams around Major League Baseball. So, but you've seen this being like done from the the ground up, and right now we're barely even laying the foundation. We're like clearing the land. I have a guy I would like to try to trade for, and I'm going to see whether or not I can convince you to make the deal. The White Sox are looking for help in the outfield, 
and my friend, I want Brian Reynolds. Now, I'm going to tell you why you should trade me Brian Reynolds. Um, he had a terrible 2020, and he's a Super 2. So you have one less year of control than what you normally would have gotten because he's going to arbitration next year when if the Pirates would have been better about his team control, they could have had one more year of control for him. So all I'm getting here is one more year of his pre-arb and three years of arbitration of Brian Reynolds. And he's only had one good season, and that was his rookie year in 2019. 2020 was a disaster. I'm looking to plug him into my outfield, and I know I still have team control. I know he's young. I know he might rebound. That's what. That's the chance that I'm taking. I'm looking at his 2019 numbers, and White Sox fans will be excited to hear, here's a guy who rakes against right-handed pitching. Here's a guy who had a 4.1 war in 2019 alone. Uh, here's, here's a guy that can play the outfield, was actually considered to be a center fielder at one point. They were thinking of moving him in the center field. And so I think he can play enough defense out and right. And with his splits, he's a he's a good to above average hitter against lefties. And he hits 941 OPS against right, righties. We need that in our lineup. The White Sox lineup has been unbalanced. And if I want to go and pursue a trade, this is the kind of guy I want. I want control over him. I want to stick him out there. And because I'm getting control, I'm willing to give you Good players for Brian Reynolds. So as I say that name, was your initial reaction not a chance, or are you interested in what I might offer you? Um, my initial initial reaction was there's absolutely no way. But then I just think about what you were saying about the time of control and everything and the place we are at in our rebuild that – there was there's only one player on our team that I consider completely untouchable right at this point in time, and that's Cabrian Hayes. I don't see any way of you know that if somebody came to us and and said anything for Cabrian Hayes, I'd say absolutely not. Uh, Brian Reynolds, if you would have came to me last off season, of course we're like on the hype train of his rookie year and everything, but after seeing how he struggled this past uh, year when. Basically, all people had to do was just not throw him, you know, fastballs across the middle of the plate, and he just looked like a, a lost little boy out there. I would be willing to consider it, but I believe that the price tag would be it, it'd be fairly high. It oh, would I be expect this. For me. I expect this to be high. So let's put in perspective just looking at prospects because you're looking to rebuild. You're where the sacks were when they were trading players, some which still had some control. And they were going out and trying to rebuild their prospect rankings. At one point, getting their MLB pipeline type top 100, I think they had eight in there. And they just had this huge list of high-end prospects that they had. Currently, the White Sox on the back half, and we talked about this on the last episode on Wednesday. If anybody missed it, go back and take a listen. On the back half of their rebuild, getting ready now to take that next step, they have five guys in the MLB pipeline top 100, and all five of them will likely play a full season for the White Sox in 2021 and be gone. And the next five aren't even in the top 100. So we are starting to move away from being a team full of prospects into becoming a team that is trying to win right now and hoping we can build some things in the minors who eventually bring guys onto that list because they've developed. That said, if I look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, only three players in the MLB top 100. You have work to do, my friend. Nick Gonzalez is one of them, a second baseman shortstop that you just acquired recently. He's not expected till 2022. O'Neill Cruz, 
who is 59th on the list, expected in 2021, another shortstop for you. So you have middle infielders. And as you mentioned, Cabrian Hayes, he's still going to be eligible to be on that list, but he's going to be your starting third baseman, even if they hold him down for a month or however long it takes for them to get the extra year of team control. And then he's playing all the time for you. He is a centerpiece going forward for you in your rebuild. Other than that, you got nothing in that list. So I want to I want to help you. I want to give you some guys that might be on that list in the next year or so and, a, and possibly a guy on that list. Now, as I open it up and I tell you that's the type of prospect that I want to give you, what positions are you looking for and what do you think about that? I mean, everybody would probably always, you know, bunch up and say we were looking for catcher because I know that there was like some talk uh, this past, I don't know if it was the off season. I think it was the off season. Uh, there was some talk because you didn't know what you were going to do at second base. So a possibility of, you know, Adam Frazier coming to the White Sox until Nick Magical was ready. There was some talk about Joe Musgrove coming over there. Uh, and so we'd are, I'd already looked at some of the, the White Sox top 30 players before because it was a, a potential trade partner. And everybody's going to say, we, we need to get a catcher within the system. And I, I know the White Sox have do have a few catchers uh, within their top, you know, 30 prospects at this point in time. So they, I, I know Pirates fans would be egging me to go for that. But for me, I am still, at this point in time, I would still be looking towards pitching depth. And they're going to kill me, but I would still look towards middle infield. I'd still be looking at shortstops and second basemen because those guys are people that, you know, you mentioned Ono Cruz. That's a guy that is right now is penciled in as a, as a shortstop, but has also been talked about in right field. You know, Nick Gonzalez is a guy who might be, you know, shortstop second base. Leovo Peguero, who's another shortstop, who's, who's you know, in, is in the top 100 in, in certain rankings and like fan graphs and stuff. That's a guy that could be shortstop. He could be center field. I mean, you never know. Those are the most athletic guys. So for me, a system, I want to see a system packed with pitching depth and middle infield depth. And that's where I would go. And if you could get a, you know, a possible a, a throw in, almost like what the what was the Cardinals did uh, when they got Matthew Libertor, when they did the trade for Randy Arezarena, Martinez and everything, they got a low level catcher thrown in. And I think that would be maybe like a smart thing to do is to get maybe two players I would think that have, you know, high upside that are either pitching depth, middle infield depth, and then maybe like a possible, you know, a, a catcher toss in. That's that's not a I don't think we have a lot of catching to give you. Like I could give you Zach Collins. I mean, I'm not I'm not concerned about trading him away. He was a first round overall draft pick. He wasn't used right by Ricky Renteria, who now it's come out, didn't like him very much. He was put in terrible situations, and some White Sox fans aren't sure whether or not they want him to be the backup next year, while some want him to be the backup to Yasmani Grandal. I mean, that's the guy, him or Yerman Mercedes or Zebi Zavala, those would be the catchers that I would have in mind, but I would give you any one of those three. I give you your pick of them if you want one yeah. of those in this deal. So those you're definitely getting one of those catchers. It's a, it's a catcher to be named later. I'll give you any one of them in this deal, all right? So I'll throw that in absolutely no problem. You get one done. You need pitching? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interest you in a guy by the name of Jonathan Stever. Jonathan Stever is our seventh overall prospect on our team. Jonathan Stever came up in this past year. Jonathan Stever is a really good pitcher that some people project to be a starter eventually in this White Sox rotation. 
Sox are not looking at him as a relief pitcher, looking at him as a possible starter. Uh, I would be willing to put a Jonathan Stever inside of that deal. And I also would be willing to replace your right field position or your outfield position by giving you a young man by the name of Mike Rodolfo, who the White Sox expect could get to the major leagues as early as this year, possibly no, no later than 2022. So those are two guys that I'd be willing to throw in there as well. That's my initial offer. What's your reaction to that? Actually, if if it would be those three players, like or, or that prototype of player, it would be tough for me to say no. Because you're in a rebuild, and you just want to get bodies you think that will be there for you in the ne- in the run that's coming in a few years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Now, and let's and say, I mean, let's say you hold me up. Let's say that you sit there and you tell me, "Nope, Chris, that's not enough. I want more." What do you, What do you want to reach for? Ask me for something to see whether or not I'll give it to you. I mean, I I would probably say that that I would be reaching for uh, I'd be reaching for Jared Kelly is who I'd be reach, reaching for. Yeah. Um, you want some Jared Kelly? I I like Jared Kelly uh, for the Pirates uh, in this draft. It's somebody that I I definitely liked. I I, I for you guys you got you got two like really good pitchers right away in the draft. I mean, you got you got Garrett Crochet and you got Jared Kelly. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you, you got to see a little bit of Garrett Crochet, but then he, you know... Well, he's he going to be okay. That's just a forearm strain that was not going to require Tommy John. He should be ready with no issue at the beginning of the season. So Garrett Crochet yeah. is healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's where I would I would start out, and, and I Stever's a, a good one, and, you know, if you're throwing in a catcher to beginning and, and, and Micker Adolfo, I, I think that... <laughs> I think it would be tough to say no. I think okay, I would probably this? start. How about this? If you held me up for Jared Kelly, I'd probably still give him to you because I want to win right now. Now, some White Sox fans right now said, oh, you're an idiot. Like there are people screaming right now at me, but I would totally give up because I, I, to me, I look at a guy like Brian Reynolds and I see future all-star, a guy who's been relied on to be a linchpin in the Pirates order who now can sit and hit low in the order, brings speed, brings a above average defense, and if he comes back and hits like he did in 2019, that's going to be one hell of a player that you get with an awful lot of control, and I can trade a 19-year-old pitcher and Jerry Kelly that might turn into something great and might not, because in my mind, uh, I, prospects are prospects, and I'm ready to start breaking some eggs to make a bunch of omelets that have World Series trophies mixed into them, so I would throw in Jared Kelly to make that deal. Yeah, I'm spending it today. Would be, I'm spending today, Craig. You got me on a good day. I got a cup of tea in my hand on a Saturday morning. I'm spending today. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Jared Kelly would almost be like a, a very similar trade to what the Pirates made with Starling Marte, you know, getting back uh, Brennan Malone, who was, you know, right-ranked near where uh, Quinn Priester, who we drafted, that would be another type of thing. And Jared Kelly's got an ETA of, like, you know, 2023. So it would be just, for me, I want to stockpile as many of He's those yours. arms He's down yours. there so with I, I, that. I'm I'm replacing Stever with him. I'm not giving you both of them. So I'll give you oh, Stever, Adolfo, or I'll give you I'll give you Kelly, Adolfo, and uh, a catcher to be named later out of my. I'll give you Zebby Zavala. I'll throw those three guys your way. You're all set. And I just acquired Brian Reynolds from the Pittsburgh Pirates as my right fielder. And I have control of him uh, for the next four years. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, wow, wow. Make me the GM right now. That's a good deal. You're happy with that deal. You're in I'm, I'm actually, I'm really happy with that you deal. See? And that's the bad part is, I mean, <laughs> I, when you first said his name, I was like, there's no way. But 
If you're getting three. Yeah, I'm okay with giving away Kelly because I still got an Andrew Dahlquist sitting down there that could end up being just as good as Garrett Kelly. I still got a Garrett Crochet sitting there. I mean, how many pitchers do I want to stockpile? I mean, what the hell? I'll throw in a Zach Birdie. You could have the other Birdie brother. I'll throw him in too. <laughs> you already lost one Birdie. I'll give you the replacement Birdie. All right? Yeah, you like lost you Nick, I'll give you Zach. We'll give you a Birdie. Right. I mean, like at this point, they're just pieces trying to get me to the end game, which is a World Series in 2021. And I want Brian Reynolds to be on that team Jumping around out on the field seems like a good guy. I will have Rick Hahn call Ben Charrington today, and we'll see whether or not we get that deal done, Craig. Yeah, and, and all the Pirates fans will be beating down my door with, like, pitchforks, and, and <laughs> they'll have their torches out, and they'll be like, why are we getting rid uh, of you, Brian Reynolds? You have, you have way too many people out there to think you're, like, a player away from a World Series. You're dealing with what we were dealing with a few years ago here in Chicago with people that couldn't understand why they were trading Chris Sale. And now you can look out on the field, and you can see what the team is. And There's a reason we made the deals that we did. It's, it's going to be painful for you, my friend, but trust me, at the other end of the rainbow, there are good things as long as your owner doesn't have uh, a really old friend of his that he just wants to put in as manager as a roll of the dice. Craig Toth from Bucks in the Basement joining me. We made a deal. We'll see if we can make a deal in the next coming weeks with another team out there. But Brian Reynolds can be acquired according to the folks over at Bucks in the Basement, and I think the White Sox can pay that price. My friend, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take it easy, brother. Thanks for having me on. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Fun show today. Everybody have a good weekend. I'm going to tell you something right now, buddy. Uh, Dave, if you're not if you're not going to join the show anytime soon, I'm going to have to find a new co-host. Andy Mazur may be available. I don't know if anybody noticed that tidbit, but ESPN 1000 taking over the radio call and Brooks Boyer on the air saying essentially Darren Jackson completely safe. Andy Mazur, maybe. Former players will always have a job with the White Sox. Professional broadcasters, submit your resume and hope for the best. I'm pulling for Andy. He's a good guy. Hopefully they give him the gig again. Quick shout out to the Future Sox podcast. Thank you very much for having me on this past week on Future Sox. Mike Rankin, James Fox. We had a big conversation. And actually during that show, Jose Abreu was announced as the MVP. So you get a very honest reaction during that show on the latest edition of the Future Sox podcast. My thanks to those guys for having me on. I don't do a lot of other podcasts, but James has been on my show so many times. Mike's been on there once or twice. 
Uh, and, and I enjoy going on and discussing prospects and what's going on with the White Sox and, and, and having somebody ask me questions because I'm doing all the work these days because Lazy Down here is upset about Tony La Russa and probably is never going to talk again. Boring! Socks in the Basement found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.